You don't talk about this stuff on Bankless. Welcome to Layer Zero. Layer Zero is a podcast of unscripted conversations with the people that make up the Ethereum community. Crypto is built by code, but it's composed by people, and each individual member of the crypto community has their own story to tell. Cypherpunks understood that the code they write impacts the people that use it, and Layer Zero focuses on the people behind the code, because Ethereum is people all the way down, and always has been. Today on Layer Zero, I have a very, very special episode. I'm extremely excited about this one because I have not one, not two, not three, but four guests, the four members of the Alpha Alpha podcast. And I met these uh, four individuals, you will hear the story in the podcast, during my times in San Diego. And they have been grinding away at producing an all-in style podcast. For those that enjoy the all-in podcast, uh, this, is, this is one of those. Uh, and uh, they, they talk about a very wide range of subjects, not just from the crypto world, because they are all very deep in the crypto world, uh, but they also talk about things that you might not hear out of Bankless, other, other components of the crypto industry, but also other investment strategies that have nothing to do with crypto, and also just life advice and, and politics and just some other topics that might you would definitely not get out of Bankless. And this has kind of turned into my the other half of my podcasting uh, side of things, where there's Bankless going very, very deep in the crypto world. And then there's the Alpha Alpha podcast for literally everything else. Uh, and these four, four guys that I met here in San Diego have turned into some of my closest friends and they are becoming great podcasters. Uh, and so before I made my exodus out of San Diego, I called them all over to my apartment and we did an Alpha Alpha podcast together, but I co-opted the whole thing and I was the host. And that is what you are about to hear today on Bankless Layer Zero. So I thoroughly hope you enjoy this co-opted episode of the Alpha Alpha podcast, because uh, if the Bankless Nation likes this, this might be a regular thing that you might hear uh, as one of our many, many podcasts in our podcast network. So I hope you guys enjoy this podcast and we'll get right to it right after we talk to some of these fantastic sponsors that make this show possible. Welcome Bankless Nation to a one of a kind show on Bankless. Brand new guests, a brand new format, different kind of content. We've got four members of the Alpha Alpha podcast, and here they are. On our hands, we've got a yield farmer with a chip in his brain. He can calculate APY in his head, but he can't understand the opposite gender, which is ironic, because he's got more farms than you've had girlfriends. Ladies and gentlemen, DJ and Spartan's apprentice, Steven Cesaro. Thank you, that was beautiful. Yeah, you like that one? <laughs> Welcome, buddy. <laughs> Coming up next, a man who's confused as to whether he's an investor or a painter. He can't really sell his art because he only accepts ETH. <laughs> the man whose cash flow is up only, but his portfolio just bores me. He's built a lot of companies, but none of them count because they don't have tokens. I think he's got a crypto punk, and I, but at least there's one on his hat. He's the reason why we're all here today and why we'll all be hungover tomorrow. Ooh. Nick or Bonnie. Yeah. Hello, hello. Yeah. Please buy my art. I have a habit to support. <laughs> <laughs> Coming in hot, the Chinese Dutchman. He's got CFA in his Twitter handle, so you can't really trust him. The only person here who's got an actual job, but at least is funneling boomer bills into our bags. Ladies and gentlemen, the crypto financial analyst, Eric Johansson. I got you guys, yeah. Dollar bills are coming in. <laughs> and last but not least, the latest and greatest, holding down the fort. When he talks to his Insta stories, it feels like he's talking to me. If he were an author, he'd write romance novels with himself as the main character. The man that identifies as a beard, Armin Asadi. I've never felt more flattered. Oh, that's good. That was perfect. It's a beautiful beard. That was perfect. I think we got one more. I think we have we one do more. Know. You're oh, right. God. The only thing he's rug pulling is the city of San Diego. <laughs> Crypto girl swoon, but he is in a committed relationship with his plants. 
He feeds us more smoked salmon than Alpha. It's the Slayer of Moloch, our fearless friend, leading us into the frontier. David Hoffman, everyone. Yeah. Trust us, That's so uh, good. I'm so glad I didn't read those beforehand. <laughs> Steven hasn't read it, a single message on our text thread. Never read a message. Two years. Oh, and you, you can tell because he the, the tunes in about three hours late, and he's like, guys, what have you been talking about? Um, okay, so Bankless Nation, this is the Alpha Alpha podcast. These are four DeFi DGens that I've met in my time here in San Diego, and I'm very sad to leave them. But they are hard committed to their podcast, and so their podcast is going to be the main topic of conversation today. So to get started on that, whose idea was Alfalfa Podcast? How did this get started? Yeah, I, that's a good question. Take him to the Tootsie I mean, Talk. Days. I don't know if I would say it was my idea, but I have I have my flow with Armand Asadi podcast. It was definitely your idea. Okay, <laughs> I pulled them into this, and I pulled them individually onto my podcast. And then eventually, I said, "What if we all got together and did one together?" We called it Tipsy Talk, and they were a hit. And mostly just because I had a blast and I had fun and I'm sitting with my three best friends in the world, getting to shoot the shit, talk life, alpha, politics, investing, crypto. And then we did a second one and a third one. And then I just started incessantly pushing the idea of a podcast. It's like, why are we doing this on my show? This should be its own thing. How many months did it take to like fully get you guys moving though? Armand's got another nickname. It's the wolf because the wolf will pressure you, peer pressure you into doing things. We have uh, Thought about lots a of all cap, all cap text messages. Yeah, none of us like the idea of being like a, a persona online, actually, except Armand. Really, <laughs> love it. Steven, Steven kind of likes it too. But like, I think Steven like Nick it. and I have been like kind of avoiding sort of putting our head out of this hole, and now like we're being coaxed. And but you're uh, so good at it. You guys are fucking natural. It feels it feels good now. This is destiny. So it's happening. Mm -hmm. That's the inception. And uh, yeah, we're like 24, 25 episodes in. I think it's the best thing we've ever done. Now, I've been I'm watching so it through and through, and it's getting better and better and better, and more and more DJ. And you guys are coming out of your personalities <laughs> as this goes along. Um, but why does the world need Alfalfa? What, what is the alpha that Alfalfa has to bring to the table? I mean, I think, you know, Bankless has its, its values, right? And, and those come through and through through the content and how you guys conduct yourself and, and your guys' perspectives on the industry. And I think we definitely have our values as well. Like, our, our core values are that, you know, it's critical for people to have a group of friends that they respect and they think are thoughtful to kind of dissect the world around them and figure out what is our perspective and how do we go forward. So whether you have a crew, you know, in person with your friends or not, like, come, come join us. We think that... Um, you know, it's, success, it, it's critical to be successful in life and to get fulfillment, to have people to bounce ideas off of. So we go into crypto and investing is number one. We talk a little politics, you know, and, and I think most people don't want to get into politics or, or be active. But the next best thing is to be informed, you know, over time, create a perspective for yourself so you could talk about it with your friends and, and maybe create change that way. And then, yeah, of course, a little life alfalfa because... We're all good friends. We've been friends for a long time. We help each other out through the opportunities life presents itself and the, and the, the troubles. So naturally, we got to help each other out and make sure we uh, miss the you know, philosophical pitfalls of being a crypto degen investor, I think. <laughs> yeah, I think at Bankless, we definitely try and promote everyone to just basically take the crypto pill and stop taking every other pill and only think about crypto for the rest of your life, like only buy ETH, only buy Bitcoin, only think about the merge, only think about ETH staking uh, because we got to promote crypto to the rest of the world. And I think you guys are the much more healthy and balanced side of that is like, okay, here's how crypto fits into the world. Here's how you can integrate this and have a part of your life. But then when you talk about life alfalfa, you also talk about work-life balance and just like how to do other things uh, in relation to all your investments. So you guys are all crypto people, 
but uh, crypto is part of my identity, and I don't think you guys have that. You haven't gone that far down into the crypto so, world. So, you know, it was Eric that actually said this one time. He's like, I don't, I don't give a fuck if it's called crypto or it's called smorgasbord or whatever the hell it is. It's the thing that's interesting right now that's giving me the most alpha. It's the mm. thing in life right now that we are paying the most attention to. It doesn't matter what it is, but that's where we're currently putting our attention. But, you know, you come from like TradFi background and that's what became most exciting to you. And we all started pivoting toward that. But it could be anything. It's just the common denominator, I think, right now. Well, I'm a devout listener to the Bankless podcast and I, I give you guys a lot of credit in, in, in my adoption into this industry. And like um, one thing I noticed was when you were talking with SBF, hmm. he said he, he he chased the money into into crypto and then he like got sort of pilled by the values and that's exactly where I'm at. Like I, I, I wanted the returns, but then after like getting deeper and deeper into it and like especially uh, listening to what you guys are talking about, I'm like, wait a second, this is like actually better for humanity, etc. Mm. Crypto should, by its own merits, like work their way into everyone's portfolios. But I think you guys like, I will never say that like cryptos is not the right time to get into crypto because because of like it's more for like you know you can get in here as a long term investment not just for you and your financial assets no matter what part of the cycle that you're in uh, because crypto is good for good for the world uh, but you guys are like well kind of feels like a top right now guys like man, well, let's start talking about real estate and like some other some other assets um, yeah. we do owe it to Stephen though yeah. for dragging us along like big time uh, I think yeah maybe I pushed the podcast but Stephen's the one that dragged us along with crypto mm-hmm. hello Lord. But this is a good entrance for the DeFi nihilists, speaking of uh, top, toppy tops and what we're going to do from here. What do you want to talk about? Well, oh, everything's dead. We're all going to die. Is everything dead? We're all going to die? <laughs> uh, almost everything, yeah. 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 All right. So, so you have time out there right now. You're, you're a fan of this is going to be as bad as and as bloody as all the previous cycles? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of open to the idea that it could be worse. Oh, in God. a lot of ways. All right, let's change subjects. Yeah, let's change subjects. tasting way too. I don't know how uh, how sunny. Do you want to keep this thing? Uh, I think actually we'll re- we'll return to the definalist uh, last because we'll go into that after after <laughs> after we do all of this. And so uh, we talked a little bit about what alpha alpha is. It's a bunch of different things. A little bit of crypto, a little bit of real estate, a little bit of normal finance, a little bit of life alpha alpha. I'm sure you guys talk about uh, even like health stuff at, at sometimes yeah. every now and then too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's go into each one of you guys just to e- explore who you guys are for the audience, for the Bankless audience. We'll end with Steven so he can just bring us all down again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we'll start with Nick because Nick and I have an interesting story about how, how I met him. Should uh, we talk about our origin story? Yeah, you, yes. want, you want to do that? Yes. Oh, man. Well, uh, I was showcasing some art mm-hmm. at a local neighborhood art festival. And this guy comes up and says, can I take a picture of your art? And I'm like, well, your art's amazing, by the way. Oh, thank you, thank you. It's uh, only purchased in ETH. So, um, he says, can I take a picture of your art? And I'm like, sure, go ahead and do a double take. And I'm like, oh, God, this is going to be really weird. But I'm like, hey, man, are you the guy on the Bankless podcast? And he's like, oh, yeah, sure. Well, what a crazy weird fan again. And, uh, you know, are you, are you into crypto? And I pull off my, my hat, which has my crypto punk on it, and show it as like my verified street cred that I am in fact in the crypto <laughs> point to the QR code that says only purchase in ETH and uh, then he just leaves me just ghosts me and guys well, our, see you later, bro. Our, our story could have just stuff. ended that could have been it that <laughs> could have been, been the en- whole thing ended very quickly could have been like one of those like misconnections on Craigslist well how are you feeling in that moment when he's just like 
cool. Well, see ya. I was like, well, uh, yeah, like ghosted at, at a bar. <laughs> I, wanted, I wanted to post on uh, Craigslist misconnections. <laughs> Guy with black crypto punk hat. Sorry, I didn't get your number. <laughs> but uh, luckily, he, David came back a, a few hours later, and um, you know, I told him, I said, hey, we got this group of guys that get together typically every Wednesday. We like to dive deeper into crypto and life and be a little thoughtful. I think it'd be cool if uh, you know you, you come by, and I think from there. A little hundred of uh, friendship seeds were planted. Yeah, no, that's about right. From from my perspective on things, I was on my way to the gym, uh, <laughs> and so I had gym on my mind. But there was the art walk going on, so I was like, oh, I'll take the long way to the gym and I'll check out our, all the art. And that's when I saw saw your painting of all the the fists, the power fists with all the the skin tones on it. Um, and then I and then I uh, yeet out of that <laughs> that conversation very quickly. And I'm in the gym and I'm like, this is like uh, not even two months from my time in San Diego. And uh, I'm like just doing the foam roller, just like reflecting on, like, oh, I just met a guy about my age. Uh, he said that he lives like a couple blocks down from me. He owns a CryptoPunk. Uh, so clearly he's into it. And I just was like, all right, bye. And just like my social awkwardness was like, oh yeah, this is where you make friends, David. This is like how friends happen. Uh, and so like I'm at the gym, I'm like, oh, I gotta go, for, go find that guy. And thank God I did, because that's how I found the rest of you guys. Well. Yeah, that's good, because I told my girlfriend I was sad, and then I was happy when he came back, so it all worked out. It all worked out. Uh, but a little bit more about Nick. Like, uh, you're, what, you, you're a painter, but you also hell have a... Hell of a fighter. Yeah, hell of a fighter, yeah. So, like, yeah, what, what alpha do you have to bring to the table? Well, let's see. Uh, started in TradFi, uh, mm -hmm. managing uh, money and 401k plans, and, and quickly saw digital media and digital marketing, like, growing. Figured a trend I need to get on and, and not be left behind. So, started, uh, helped build a digital marketing consulting firm that turned out pretty well and then uh, got hired by one of our clients to be CEO of the company. It was um, a growing software company and there learned how to manage large groups of software engineers. And at some point I was like, well, I'm gonna take this skill and, and go off on my own. And so had like a few companies that did did pretty well and, and kind of find myself uh, managing two e-commerce companies right now, operating them. And got into crypto in 2017, uh, I think between companies. And like many people was asking myself, you know, how do I like, intelligently manage my money and my investments and, and do a good job. And then proceeded to do the exact opposite and trade shit coins on Coinbase <laughs> all day long, like, like it was my job. And luckily, you know, made it out alive and got back in like 2019, early 2020, talking with Steven about Bitcoin, about, uh, you know, potential store of value. And then on Wednesday, Steven starts showing up telling he's getting 50, 100% plus yields on these uh, food tokens, sushi, Uniswap, pancake swap, and I think yeah. Yam. <laughs> he lost he lost millions of dollars selling his pancakes off to earlier and I was like, wait a second, should I should I get involved in this? <laughs> and I think the, the the rabbit hole just got really big all of a sudden and just sucked me in. And uh, you know, we we started a little uh, crypto gaming guild as a sandbox to kind of learn the area, learn the players, learn the economics, and uh, try not to scratch the itch to build just yet. Um, just uh, enjoying the conversations with the boys in the Alpha Alpha podcast for now. And that is uh, Nick Urbani, ladies and gentlemen. Let's turn to uh, oh, yeah. the man who identifies as a beard. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Armand, what's your story? Oh, uh, my story. So lately I've been calling myself a thinker, builder, and creator because mm -hmm. it's almost impossible to... Very romantic of you. Absolutely. Wow. Thank you. <laughs> Romance novel. Such a novelist. So beautiful. That. <laughs> I mean, it's impossible to encapsulate yourself. And, uh, you know, the great Alan Watts, a uh, hero of mine, always said, like, it's irrelevant to describe the past. It's just whoever you are today. So I'm a thinker. I'm very philosophical. I love modern psychology as well. I spend a lot of my time reading 
random shit that most people aren't interested in. But every once in a while, I get to sprinkle it into alfalfa. Every once in a while, I get to go really deep down the rabbit hole with these guys, especially this guy. He likes to follow me down into these crazy-ass places. And uh, that's, that's where I get the most enjoyment out of life. Um, builder, building a company called Collective Shift right now, crypto analysis education platform. We're doing some huge things. And uh, creator, you know, podcaster, uh, actually... Am an author working on the first book. It's not a romance, uh, not a romance model. It's very philosophical. Um, its uh, tentative title is Unleashed. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, man, I'm I'm just creating. I'm building. I have this incessant burning desire to put everything I have inside of me out on the court. Like I have the constant awareness that I am a mortal being and one day I will no longer be here. And I also realize that most of the great people that we remember from the past, we barely remember. They are forgotten. And the the best case scenario for them is that they get a statue. And sometimes even the statue gets torn down because society says, fuck that person now. So what am I here for? What am I trying to do? I'm constantly thinking about that. Mm -hmm. I think it's a driving force for my whole life and if it wasn't for these guys and my friends and the amazing people in san diego i'm really sad to lose you uh it, you'd be lost it's the most important thing in life i mean we tweeted about this the other day so yeah. that's the thing i'm most grateful for in life is is people and experiences yeah and armand is uh the in the intro i had the guy whose brat back is broken from carrying this podcast he is the meat he is the the, uh, <laughs> the guy with no, all the actually like no, no. very healing <laughs> and like cathartic. you feel so validated <laughs> <laughs> Valuable. Thank you so much. Yeah. Somebody finally recognizes our work. <laughs> Thank you, David, for the conflict resolution. Yeah. <laughs> you guys are going to have to go to group therapy after yeah. this one. Or maybe that's what this is. He's the one with all the microphones and all the cabling and also does all the content editing. And so he's the reason why Alfalfa looks like Bankless if you follow it on Instagram. We're trying. Uh, and Thanks, you, well, I th- actually, I think you guys kind of edit your clips even harder than, than we do sometimes. To be clear, I don't actually edit them, but yes, I... We make it no, dude, I don't. Th- I don't edit yeah. them either, brother. Louis got to step his game up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, coming third. Third but not least, Eric. Who are you, man? Okay, so my story begins at San Diego State University. I was not a CFA at this point. I was um, filming MTV dating shows, working, uh, trying to work in the NFL. I was working for the San Diego Chargers as an intern, and like, I was also like making straight A's and being on the dean's list and stuff thank goodness i met these boys because they like sort of redirected my energies towards like uh what i would call like my my career pursuits and um you know i think after after graduating college i I went into like corporate finance investment finance or whatever but um you know in 2019 nick and armand brought steven around steven introduced me to this thing called DeFi, and uh from there, I was like, wait a second. I, I had previously thought of crypto like in the in the Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger sort of like way. I was like, this shit is so scammy and disgusting. And then when I was, I, I saw that these were not just speculative uh, coins. They, they could be like used as capital assets or, or you know, like collateral. I was like, wait a second, there, there might be legs here. And then I, I dug deeper in and like got into LPing and everything. I, like, I really was unleashed in, uh, that like early COVID time when we were still meeting up on Wednesdays, everyone else was kind of locked in, but we were, we were like doing our little pod and um, it was awesome. Who, uh, who owns the rights to Eric's baptism? Who set up Ooh. his crypto baptism of setting up his MetaMask wallet? Was it you or? First of all, nobody, <laughs> because I leaned on Steven at some point. I was like, okay, so 
I, I, I put two assets in to LP and Steven's like, I'm drunk. And I'm like, well, I'm down like $400 on gas. Like, help me. And you're like, I'm too drunk. And I was like, what? <laughs> I didn't understand. And like gas was so high like in, during DeFi summer. Like I was just like lost. I didn't know what I was doing. I had this LP token and then like I didn't know you to stake that. Uh, I was just like, I figured it out on my own. Uh, but these these were like educational expenses and, you know, and, and now you got, you know, TradFi, like wealth management co clients coming to you saying, hey, so how do I think, I like, dabble? yeah, Scope Wealth Management is, is the TradFi firm. And we're, we're like, we've been moving more and more towards crypto ever since. And I, I like attribute all that to like our early conversations, particularly Steven sort of like ushering us all down this path. Wait, the guy that, that lost a million dollars on Pancake Swap is the reason why no, no. you're coming. First of all, Steven made a lot of money on Pancake Swap. Oh, he me. just did top ticket uh, is multi millions. <laughs> all right, Steven, so the man good. that made a million dollars on Pancake Swap. Who the hell are you? I, I, I wish I made a million dollars on Pancake Swap. I think I bought it at a penny and sold it at eight cents and thought mm -hmm. I was a genius, and then it went up to like $38. <laughs> Oops. But I, I was very early on that kind of. Uh, People want to farm, and Binance Chain is cheap, so people are going to go there, right? Mm -hmm. And a lot of people were kind of doing the big brain, oh, no, Ethereum's decentralized. People don't want that. And I was like, no, people want to gamble. Mm -hmm. I'm going to start farming on PancakeSwap. But I, I, didn't, I didn't really have an exit strategy. I just I threw like five grand in there, and it went up to like 100 grand. I was like, I should probably sell. Mm -hmm. And then like I checked like couple months later and it would have been like three million you know i have a lot of stories like that from the last give us, bull run. Give us some bridgewater maybe poker professional poker players oh yeah. my my, yeah, give us my the let's go back story. to the, the chip in the brain reference yeah um yeah so out of college my first job was working as a uh, emerging market bonds trader for for bridgewater uh which is ray dalio's hedge fund uh that was during the the great financial crisis so that was that was like a baptism by fire for me Fortunately, I went in, I realized we were short the world and immediately sold all of my stocks because I figured they were probably smarter than me. Uh, so I did, did well on that trade. Uh, did badly on some other trades. I remember one time I, I, I accidentally uh, bought $100 million of Brazilian bonds instead of selling them. Uh, <laughs> fat finger. <laughs> which is a pretty big fat finger. Uh, it's my biggest fat finger of all time. <laughs> Uh, they, they didn't fire me, which is really nice. We, we accidentally made money on the trade. <laughs> I heard that happens. Um, in, in spite of all the slippage, we incurred getting out of it, which is a, a lot. <laughs> but um, during the time at Bridgewater, I was, I was playing online poker as, as like a hobby. And it kind of got to the point where I was like hating my life. And I, I figured out how to like exploit this online poker game by, by buying in short you know, with the, the minimum and kind of using this like strategy where I didn't have to think and I could play 20 tables and uh, we, we, we called it rat holing back in the day and, and everybody on the internet hated me. Like I, I had like a target on my back in the online community, but, but I didn't care. So I, I, I ended up just, I quit that job one day. I became a professional poker player, stopped kind of exploiting and then ended up playing a lot of like high stakes heads up. And Weren't was, you playing heads up against Phil Ivey like for two weeks straight? Yeah, when I moved to San Diego, I, I was just trying to meet people for the first time, and I met some other poker players, and I just told them, like, hey, I, I, I want to play Phil Ivey in this, this game. I, I can beat him. I, I'm, I'm better than him at this game. He's not good. <laughs> and, and for some reason, nobody was like, that's a stupid idea. Everybody was like, yeah, here's like 100 grand. Here's like two. <laughs> so, um, 
So yeah, like my third or fourth night in San Diego, I was sitting in my little beach house that I rented. I was playing Phil Ivy, like 500, 1,000, no limit or whatever the biggest game on Phil Tilt was at the time. And I was like, I, I had to use two hands on the mouse because I was, I was <laughs> shaking, <laughs> like shaking so hard. I remember the very first hand. Look, this is, this is an honest to God, true story. I, I got pocket kings and I was like, oh, you're so fucked, Phil. Um, <laughs> So he raised, I re-raised, he went all in, I called, he had aces. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> like immediately lost $30,000. Oh I was 24 at the time too. <laughs> so I was like, oh my god. Uh, but that ended up being the most I was ever down in that match. I came back, I think I won like a million, million and a half or something off of him. And then he quit me and then I, I got a lot of free drinks for a while. started? No, that started at a far earlier age. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I actually don't think you're a nihilist. I just Thank like you. calling you. I, I do sometimes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I played poker for a while. Uh, ultimately, the government, you know, kind of banhammered us. Came down one day, opened up my computer. There was like an FBI logo on the screen. And I was living with four friends in a house at the time that, that we kind of bought together. We were playing poker and we just looked at each other like, that's that's bad, right? <laughs> it's just like you looked at. We had this like kind of a room. It looked like a NASA kind of control station. There's monitors all around the whole room. We converted this whole room into like a poker um, den, and like you looked around the whole room, and there's just like FBI symbols. I can smell it. All, <laughs> all the monitors. I can smell that um, disgusting room. Yeah. So, so I was like, I need to find a new career. Kind of got into to internet marketing for a bit and, and did well there. Along the whole way, I, I it was always into crypto. You know, I found it because of poker. A lot of guys found poker, uh, found crypto because it was it was posted on the uh, the two plus two forums was where we all hung out back in the day. And like, there's tons of people in crypto from the poker world because it, it kind of translates over. Um, yeah, I was looking back at some old messages like a couple of years ago from 2010, I think, where I was I was messaging a guy trying to buy five thousand dollars worth of bitcoin and swap them for poker stars money and i like the price was like it, it was <laughs> it's like a dollar or something and uh, i didn't end up doing the deal because i i couldn't figure out how to make the wallet work back then and that was a that was a mistake and in 2013 i finally bought some i had like a half million dollars or something worth of it when it was like three or four hundred bucks and i was Big like oof. sold it all uh, 2017 rolled around and I was like, you know what the lesson to learn here is never sell. So I put like, you know, 80 grand into it. I think I, I read it up to $4 million in like six or seven months trading altcoins and stuff. And then like immediately lost like all of it. I think I, I think I left with like a hundred grand. And <laughs> basically. So, so, so learning the op, the, you know, adjust it again. Okay. So the, the answer is not to never sell anything. Um, and then, you know, I've been planning for this net last, last bull market to come around again. Mm -hmm. And when I, when I felt like it was time, you know, I, I was working in online marketing and I knew this guy that I didn't really know him. I just knew his screen name. There were a lot of people who were like anons in like the online marketing world because people were doing shady stuff. Um, so I just knew him as this kind of guy on telegram and he was just like, Yo, bro, synthetics, Ave, Ethereum, Chainlink. I was like, what? He's like, <laughs> was it Vance Spencer? It sounds like Vance Spencer. Those are the, those are the, those are the, he just like, just kept saying that over and over again. I was like, what are you talking about? Cause I was like a hardcore Bitcoiner at the time. Cause I just been annihilated and I hated shit coins and I kind of hated crypto, but I mostly hated shit coins. And I thought Ethereum was a shit coin. Everything was a shit coin, but he was like, 
yo, you got a farm. You got a farm, bro. I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, you, you, you stake money and you get free money. I'm like, that sounds like a scam. And it, it was kind of, it was kind and of a scam. Now you, you know. do it for a living. <laughs> well, I used to. Now it's all gone to zero. But <laughs> we, had a, we had a good run for a while. So yeah, I tried the DeFi thing out like way early. I was farming all like the food stuff, like the, the yams and the grapes and like the, I don't know. It was, it was like the stupidest thing back in the day. But like I was obviously making tons of money. So I, I quit my company and I just went full time crypto. Um, got really, really into it. I brought all these guys along with me, um, shilled them crypto punks, which I sold way too early and, you know, a whole bunch of other stuff. Uh, so yeah, it's been a, it's been a fun ride. I mean, I think the, the, the DeFi farming thing is, is definitely done right now. So I've been, uh, trying to think like, what's the, what's the next thing? I think uh, of everyone here, you are definitely the resident Kobe in the sense that somehow you're like good at making money, also good at losing money, also super nihilist. Uh, <laughs> I think it, I think it all fits. I've just, I've just gotten rugged so many times at this point. <laughs> I, many of them just like self-induced rugs, you know. So I'm, I'm, I'm a little we, bit. A little we did bit have jaded. one one listener re- remark, and maybe because of you, that either I'm gonna get really rich or really poor really, really quickly listen to this, but otherwise it's going to be fun. And I think it's mostly because of your DGen farming for sure. I think that's my favorite review. So <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. So now that we've established the characters, what's the through line? What's the through line behind all of you guys? Because you guys are all not just podcast co-hosts. You guys are just also friends. Um, but the best podcasts have the best banter because the best banter comes from the best friends. So what is the through line behind all of you I guys? mean, this, this pod, I think, is we... During COVID, we started doing this thing called like men's night. We found like the one place in town that was open still. Another thing I had to drag them to do. Yeah, it was all that was because of you, dude. It was a great call. You did not have to drag me to do that. <laughs> also, Steve was also you were like, you, you were like, do you want to do a podcast? And I said yes. I reject this Very this storyline. Um, but yeah, we we found this cigar lounge in mm. in Old Town which was thriving during COVID because some city ordinances basically allowed them to take over the entire like plaza patio. It was outdoors. Yeah. Yeah. And they like quintupled their capacity and then they were the only place open. So they became the spot and we just started going there every Wednesday night and smoking cigars and hanging out. Churchill's Churchill's, San Diego. Yes. Um, And we we were just like, let's just do this every night. Well, we'll call it like a men's night. Mm-hmm. which is not the most creative term, but, you know, we went with it. Uh, and, and while we were out smoking cigars and drinking wine and everything, you know, we were always just talking about everything. Obviously, we talked about crypto a lot. That's where everybody kind of got, like, DeFi-pilled uh, for the first time and punk-pilled for the first time. But we, we talk about other stuff, too. Like, we love to talk about politics and culture and just business and, and life stuff, right? So th- I think this pod was an, an attempt by us to kind of, like, bring these... Wednesday night discussions with friends where we're sort of trying to just sort through the world, right? And kind of make sense of everything and to just bring that to like a larger audience and try to replicate that. Yeah, we, we joke that we're four radical moderates and who are truth seekers. And I think we, we joke about the radical moderate part because the truth often lies in the middle. It, it lies in the gray and it lies in the purple in terms of political spectrums. And so what we're trying to do is just, you know, hash out as good friends and, and as hosts of the podcast, you know, dish out and debate the investing, the, the policy and the life alpha that we can come across. So I think that's that's primarily the through line. 
mm-hmm. which is so enjoyable. Yeah. It's such an amazing thing to like swim in the messy gray ocean of I don't quite know the answer. And most people are just like so quick to want to latch onto some sort of identity, some sort of um, you know group. Obviously, we talk about group thing all the time, but some sort of identity where they can say. Who's going to do the thinking for me? Who's going to make this decision for me? Who's going to tell me what's right or wrong? But most people do not have the capacity and do not want to take on the capa- like the, the responsibility to make those decisions in the first place. And I think that's like perhaps one of the through lines as well is like we're trying to promote this idea of like perhaps just who we are, but the idea of like the responsibility could fall on the individual. And maybe you do have the tools to come up with the right answers. And maybe society could look very interesting if we all sat down and we trusted each other to say, yeah, I can I can sort through the mess. I can figure out what's fake from what's real. And it's going to get more difficult. It's going to get more crazy. But that really seems to be the only way that we can retain any sense of individual power. And that's what radical moderate means to me. Dave, as, as you, you got like indoctrinated into our crew by Nick, right? As, as you guys uh, explained. But like uh, when you came in to our circle, we were talking about all this stuff, you know, like not just crypto, but like also other life stuff. And you fit right in like you you were able to sort of like hold your own in all these conversations you don't talk about this stuff on bankless right like bankless has its own clear niche and it's very successful doing what it does but you're so good at talking about other aspects of life too and i feel like uh you you fit perfectly in our little circle of, of talking about all aspects yeah. of life yeah when i listened to your the alpha the first alpha alpha podcast i can't remember which one it was uh it was it was um you guys were contending with so much different uh, sources of information it's like well here's what this source thinks here's what this source thinks and you guys are all bringing your own like thoughts about different sources to the table and so i remember hearing i can't remember what it was but like you guys said oh well bankless said this but then somebody else said that and i'm like well, we're right guys, but we're the right ones. <laughs> but, the, but, the, but the point is, it's just like you guys are, are, are not a, uh, a bankless is like we try and do primary research. We try and do our, do our own thought, but we project it out into the world. And it's ultimately up to the listeners to come up right. with their version of the truth. And a sad thing about the crypto industry is that so many people just want to be told what is true. Right. Uh, and so many projects lean on that and just to say like, well, there's so many people asking just, hey, please deliver me the truth so I can just get the alpha from it where you guys are coming and you're integrating Bankless and you're integrating other experts in the field, regardless of whether it's about crypto or it's about like political matters or it's about whatever. And so where Alpha or excuse me, where Bankless is, it's like, here's the information about Ethereum and ETH and the merge. You guys are like, well, here's what this authority said. Here's what that authority said. Uh, and then let's throw all these topics and slam them together and see, see what we get out of them as individuals who are multifaceted and multidisciplinary. Yeah, yeah, and we can get into the differences between the two podcasts for sure. But just to add on to that, I think most people are aware that the extremes are often the loudest voice. Mm-hmm. The extremes, the left, the right, the min, the max are often the ones that get the most attention. And I think we all also know inherently that the truth is not does not lie on those extremes. And so it's a muddy middle. And we have to you know, find groups of people that we respect, that we think are thoughtful to hash through those. And we're not always gonna get it right, but at least the, the process of questioning those things leads us to a little more truth. And uh, yeah, hopefully make a little more money in the process and, and understand how we you know, perceive the world along the way. I mean, I've often asked that, right? We've talked about this on the pod. It's like, how do you find any level of objective truth at all when you have all of this absolute chaos and madness and everyone has these terrible incentive structures 
others to feed you lies. And I think this was one of your points, Nick. It's like it comes down to the people you surround yourself with because they're doing the filtering for you. So one of the benefits of like, I don't know, listening to a podcast or having a great group of friends or listening to the podcast because they're like your auxiliary group of friends is that they're doing that filtering for you and you're determining the truth together. But in the same way as Bankless, you leave it up to the listener at the end of the day to determine mm -hmm. for themselves, what's the truth here? Mm -hmm. I, the angle that we try to promote at Bankless is that we don't teach you what to think, we teach you how to think. Uh, and so like, we do have like heavy emphasis on Ethereum decentralization uh, and, and, all, and all those things, but we also promote how we got there in the first place. And I think that is there, the commonality between Alfalfa and Bankless is it's not just, uh, we don't skip to the conclusions, we, we process it and as together as a group and then go through that journey together. Absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, Bankless is, is the best at teaching. Uh, teaching a specific topic, an opportunity. I mean, you guys are impeccable about grabbing an, an expert and then using this Socratic method to kind of linearly bring the listener um, onto a new topic or, or a new opportunity. And I, I kind of think of like every, sit, every time I sit down, I'm going to sit down for class because I'm going to learn something. And you guys fulfill that promise every single time. And then I think like where Alpha Alpha comes in is like, well, when you leave class, you want to go to the bar and drink with your buddies and be like, what do we think about this topic? So they, they taught us a little bit how to think about this. They, they taught us this new topic. So let's sit around the bar and figure out what do we think about this? How is, can we make money off this? And how do we position ourselves if we think it is an opportunity to take advantage of it? So I don't know. That's how I kind of find, um, you know, like where they, they two kind of parlay off each other. And, and I appreciate it. In other words, for please never take us too seriously. <laughs> basically <laughs> wasted. <laughs> no, I actually like that. I, I like what you just said there because what Alfalfa does really well is that we, we are trying to make money too. Like it is about alpha as well as truth. Like, uh, you know, you can get it, you can get it right, but if you don't make money getting it right, then, you know, like, how do you make money getting it right? Yeah. You know, how do you make money getting it Sorry, right? Sorry, no. <laughs> Armand doesn't care about money, though. What? He's like, he's, he's above. Oh, okay, money. I like that. Okay. He's, it's a byproduct of... He's almost like hovering, like, the whole podcast. Well, we, like, did, like we did a, a like whole a yogi. Just we did a whole episode on like the idea of wealth and money too. Like, you know, the, the Mexican parable episode yeah. where it's like, it isn't about money necessarily. You know, you can, you can like get to the end circumventing the money just by like living this rich life that, that is doing what you love. And I think like, that's very cool too. But the first thing we do in the podcast is talk about the money. I oh yeah. Like, can we, oh yeah. I feel like I want to give a little <laughs> intro to the agenda. That's okay. Cause sure. I think it, it does give a little, you know, uh, it, it signals some of the differences. So first of all, there's drinking involved. I think there's a, uh, as, as we are now, <laughs> this uh, is unless very, we have COVID, this <laughs> yeah. is very good mezcal by yeah. the way, uh, that yeah. we're all enjoying. Um, so I think there's a two drink minimum typically before we hit record. And uh, we can only do it once a week. We can only do that to our bodies once a week. So it's a <laughs> weekly podcast, comes out on Friday mornings. And right at the top, we hit the alpha alpha round, which is basically round robin, you know, what trades, what actual trades and moves do we make in the market? And, you know, we know the bags the Bankless crew is holding and they ain't wrong. <laughs> um, but we try to dive a little deeper um, into like, what am I doing with my own money? You know, whether that's long, short, or sometimes it gets a little more. I mean, uh, this, this round has gotten very sad. Recently, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. true. It's a lot more exciting in the in the bull market, for sure. But sometimes, what did you do this week? Sold. Well, you know, there's been like an epic, epic uh, money making opportunity on the short side in the last like six months, actually. Like, 
which I think a lot of us have taken advantage of. For sure. So we do a little more, uh, you know, spicy stuff like a little derivatives options, but more than BTC and ETH, some alts and NFTs, of course, is part of it. And then we hit into like crypto, like and, and making money as the number one priority. So, you know, it's usually driven by, by weekly events. And so we do do our typical bull case for ETH for sure and talk about Yuga land sales and stablecoin yields and stablecoin death spirals. Uh, we talked about some of our biggest investing mistakes and, and you know, are we going to recession, how to play it? And then, like I said, the, the policy stuff is, is good to, for people to be informed and for all of us to kind of make a, make a you know, We don't shy away. Perspective. No, we don't shy away. I mean, we did talk a little Roe v. Wade overturning. We've talked about taxes on billionaires, you know, retrospectives on pandemic policy. Um, and then, of course, you know, a little life alfalfa. The boys have dived into uh, experience taking some mushrooms, maybe, um, exploring our behavioral biases when it comes to investing, you know, most life-changing purchases and, and goal-setting frameworks. And so, Toilet so, editions. Toilets. Yeah, so, so by the end of the life alpha, there's some definitely some slurring going on, but hopefully, you know, there's some but we uh, end on a perspective. High. Yeah, we end on a high. The enjoyable thing about listening to it is that it very much uh, comes off as a squad. It's very big squad wealth vibes. Uh, and it's like, well, what's the point of making money together if I have no friends to take with me along the way, right? And that's definitely something I've enjoyed just getting to know all of you guys is that like, uh, well, money, making, money, making money comes first in the podcast, uh, it's because you've got to end on, on the high note and you've got to end mm -hmm. on the life alpha alpha and the lend, lend, end on, on the, the friend alpha alpha. Uh, I don't know if I'm just keep on butchering the word alpha alpha over and again, but if that's how you guys <laughs> that's use good. it, that's, just yeah. keep, just keep repeating it. <laughs> Maybe it into existence. But I mean, to your point, we often talk about this, this Harvard study called the grant study. Mm -hmm. And, and it's, it is to your point, it was a longitudinal study. It was an 80 year study where they took these Harvard graduates and they followed through them throughout their life, all the way till a lot of them were on their deathbed and even, even passed. And they interviewed them along the way. And, and funny enough, a lot of them show, you know, dispersion on where they ended up in life, but consistently they found the most important thing you know, throughout life and at the end of your life was that your relationships, your community that you build. And for crypto people and listeners, it's online and, and, and in, in person as well, is what makes you happier. And in fact, having that close community and that group of respectable, thoughtful people to bounce off of actually influences a lot of health outcomes. Yes. So, so it, it helped create more wealth for those people. It helped create better health outcomes and help people that get through those. That was the surprise. That was the surprise. They that, were studying happiness. They right. wanted to know what fulfillment looks like. And then all of a sudden these people lived longer and they were healthier. It was a huge surprise for them. Yeah. And so I, I think that's like common you know, a common thread, common to the values that like you, you need these groups of people. So, you know, we want people to come, come join us and, and partake and, and, you know, ask questions as well, you know, about help us dive deeper into what should our perspective be about the world and, and obviously crypto and, and into to making money. Yeah. What does uh, squad wealth mean to you guys? Most of you guys. Good question. I think the most important thing is to be able to share in the experiences, right? So as you get older, maybe you have kids, maybe you don't. Maybe you move, maybe you don't. Um, you want to start to partake in experiences that are more luxurious, that are more interesting. I think there's a very important factor of like watching out for hedonic adaptation, another major theme that I think actually unifies us. Mm. Um, yes, we all make money and we love what we do, but we're all very like aware of the fact that, you know, too much luxury can actually really hurt uh, your level of enjoyment. So it's like, yeah, sure. I, I think like one of one of you will, will probably be on Stephen's private jet. But the point <laughs> the point isn't 
that it's it's deeply rooted in gratitude it's deeply mm. rooted in what we already have and having that and being appreciative of what you have creates more mm. and so i think the ability to then share in those extra bonus luxury cherry on top experiences becomes even sweeter as a result of it that's what it means for me because if i was you know at, at, a, at a level where i wasn't able to either take care of my friends in the process and treat them to the entire experience or they weren't able to participate with me, it would be completely meaningless. But. Yeah, when you find that alpha, it's it's not fun if you just keep it for yourself. But if you, you and the whole crew can right. can make money off it, how much more fun is it? And I think Balaji has this phrase like "win and help win," and that's like a little mantra that I try to like, you mm -hmm. know, repeat in my head is like "win," but also let's make sure that everyone comes along for the ride because like. Yes. It's just a whole lot more fun I think that way. Part of it too, go ahead, Eric. But part of it is like it's a positive sum game. It's an abundant game. We are all helping one another. I think that's a huge part of it. Like we've all at some point done some sort of like beneficial transaction with each other, but never in like a very formal, official way. It's just like I'm gonna help you, I'm gonna invest in you, I'm gonna give you my capital. Like there's so many ways in which you grow together and that squad wealth happens that way. Go ahead. All right, all right, go ahead, Eric. <laughs> I, agree. I think like my, my answer is more of a question, and it's a question to all you guys. Like, uh, I'm sure we all have other friends outside of this table of five, right? And like, um, for me, I have friends that we talk about sports and girls, okay? Like, that's just like so... Great topics. Yeah, great topics. But like, this is like, uh, yeah, Stephen wants to kill himself. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> <So> these are, <laughs> but these are like very, uh, you know, they're like basil, you know? Like, this yeah. is like uh, what you grew up talking about, right? And, I, and I, I, I still have that. I have that with other guys. But with this crew that's unique is that like we still have this like camaraderie and this friendship, but like the, the conversation is elevated. Hmm. You know, like we talk about uh, how to improve our lifestyles and, and, and things like, like these are like way cooler conversations. And like, I, I don't find that very often. And, and when, when I found that with you guys, like I saw the value here and I was like, holy shit, exactly. we need to share this. Like hmm. we want other people to get involved. Dude, I remember when, uh, I won't name him, but this guy came to our Wednesday and he's he's come back consistently, but <laughs> I'm picturing. He, I'm picturing. <laughs> he, he he was so uh, over the moon about what he was exposed to. He was just like, "This is the most enlightening conversation and group of people I'm, mm -hmm. I've ever met." And I, I I know that because I'm grateful for these guys. So I say that not in a way like, "Oh, I'm so proud," but like, "No, no, no, I'm so grateful." Like, "Wow, I know these guys." And you've said that too, David. You're yeah. like, "This crew is." different it's special and i remember this guy showed up and he edified that and he acknowledged that and validated it and i was like yep i'm in the right fucking place <laughs> and i think this is why we connected very quick with you david is like i think you even mentioned it like you, you want to think about how you think you want to think about the the way in which you think about the world and that's why we meshed really you know quickly together and eric mentioned it i'm kind of like sad that you don't uh, you know show more of that on the bankless podcast but <laughs> there's a time and place um you know maybe in person at the crypto conferences as our as our sherpa people get a taste for that i, I think we do uh but I, I don't well i guess you're the listener so so maybe you you would have better information better alfalfa about that than i do um i do think that like uh the bankless content style has like latched on to communities that otherwise wouldn't ha it have because of the authenticity. And so maybe it's the authenticity word as to where that alignment does happen as in like bankless. Re one of the reasons why bankless was so successful coming out of the 2019, 2020 bear market is because we, we were the first major media organization that wasn't here to show you their token, right? Yeah. Like we were, right. yeah. And, and so like that authenticity came out. 
Uh, and it, one thing I was talking to you, Armand, when we were here in um, uh, Joshua Tree, was that this was the first group of, of men that it w- the relationship amongst men was a little bit inverted in the sense that, you know, in high school, like dude clicks, if you like uh, expose your vulnerabilities, it's like, here's what is like emotionally troubling me. You would get a slap on the wrist. Like, don't talk about that. Like, that's right. not what we talk about. Uh, and, and this group, it was inverted. It was like, you guys will discover who it, who is not sharing all of their Some their thoughts? Some people are tougher nuts to crack. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but but it's inverted. It's like when it's discovered that there isn't somebody who's being totally forthcoming about what is tumbling around in their brain, then that's when you get the slap on the wrist. Well said, and I think the reason for that that's is because that you said it. <laughs> I liked your version better. Armand, I was lost Armand in a trance. I honestly was lost in a trance if I heard that for the first time. But well said. And I think the reason for that is because it's rooted in authenticity. Right. So if somebody was not being forthcoming, it would just be like, what the fuck, bro? Like, right. Why are you what, here? What are you, yeah, what's going here? on? Right. So well said. Yeah. <laughs> well said myself. <laughs> well, you're, you're so smart and good looking. <laughs> Steven, why are you a tough nut to crack, man? Oh, uh, that's a good question. question. We just want to... How much time do we have? <laughs> <laughs> just, I just don't like being vulnerable, man. You know? It's okay. Like being on my own island. But you're vulnerable just, about your portfolio you're sometimes. Yeah. Your alpha rounds. Yeah, I have an outlet through my financial nihilism. You know? It's like where I... That's where I express my inner turmoil. It's through my my, uh, my financial degenning. And I think it becomes a meme in and of itself. Like, oh, here's Steven not sharing again. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not on the podcast. We're sharing more in real life. Is this a, a two-glass conversation, not a one-glass conversation? <laughs> necessary. Most necessary. <laughs> I feel like I lose money, so you don't, you don't have to. You know? it's like, kind of like Jesus Christ in that way, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's out. <laughs> oh, my God. You guys should open that as, as a tagline. Steven loses money, so you don't have to. I hope so my come. mom doesn't hear that. It's so bad. All right, guys. Um, let's talk about some markets. Yeah. Um, pull around the table, bearish or bullish, and then we'll kind of unpack those things later on, starting with uh, number one, Armand, bearish or bullish? Well, what time horizon? Um, whatever your current bags per, uh, reflect right now. Bullish. Bullish. All right. Oh, you poor, Good luck to you. Poor guy. <laughs> oh, God. I mean, do we, wrecked, do we wrecked, have the, uh, the, the bulls and the bears with the white out. and the black? Is do that what's have, going on? Do you have the iron button now? You're wrecked, I mean, wrecked, wrecked. Obviously, I'm going to watch my portfolio go down another 50%, uh-huh. 80%, according to Steven. Oh, God. We'll see. But I'm happy where I'm sitting. Yeah. I like what I'm holding. I got rid of what I need to get rid of. Mm-hmm. I trim the fat. Yeah. Yeah. I think I played the games I wanted to play uh-huh. within altcoins, within NFTs. I got into some communities. I learned how they function. I now understand the infrastructure that so many of these projects are built on. Um, I've barely scratched the surface in many ways. And where I'm at right now, I'm just very happy with it um but like will i be able to withstand the volatility of like watching my portfolio go down 80 percent personally yeah because i'm in this for like i mean life i don't know like i mean this is modern finance 
I'm going to go interpret that as actually bearish. <laughs> I think that's a bearish answer. <laughs> bullish, but I'm ready to go down 80%. He's just obviously he's optimistic. Obvi obviously to, bearish. He's prepared to, to be bearish. kicked in the balls. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm going to get kicked in the balls. And I think, like, sure, let's see, does this last uh, 12, 18, mm -hmm. 24 mm -hmm. months? Mm -hmm. But long term, what I'm holding, overall bullish. But yeah, we're, we're obviously very bearish in the short term. Eric, bearish or bullish? So... This is nuanced conversation. Uh, yeah. Like this side of the There's table. There's only two answers here. <laughs> well, okay. So okay. this side of the table in particular has been very good about, about moderating bullishness. Steven in particular, like on one of our first episodes, like we labeled this clip, like Steven predicts doom in 2022. And he did that in 2021. So like, uh, you know, we are not long only on alpha alpha. We, we like play markets as we see markets. And I think that is a benefit, you know, like, um, you know, I was around for many bear markets. I was, I was around in 2000, 2001, Steven as well. Like I've seen shit go down. Yeah. I forgot to mention that you guys are old. I forgot about yeah, that. Yeah, we're, we're <laughs> older than uh, some. Older than 25? <laughs> older than some. Okay. So like when I, when I was trading in 2000, like I was 14 years old, like, uh, I wasn't that I wasn't that old, but like uh, back in the dot com bubble, shaking with my cane. <laughs> uh, we've seen this before, and, and like crypto traders have certainly seen this before. Uh, I think obviously we're bullish on the industry at large; otherwise, we wouldn't be here. But I, I it, I don't want to fall into this well like said. into this trap of saying like just because we believe the industry at large is going up and to the right means that we have to trade it that way. It doesn't. It doesn't have to be that, right? And like if you, you know, trade it that way, sure. And you know, like I remember the moment at Stephen's house, all five of us are there, and I told David Hoffman that like I sold almost all my ETH at thirty five hundred, thirty four hundred, whatever. Mm -hmm. And David's like, are you? What? And, like, <laughs> and now it's at 2K. And like, I think it's going lower. And like, I haven't even bought back it. Like, there's a long bag that I will never sell. Mm -hmm. But like, you know, you don't have to just raw dog it, like I said on, on Alpha Alpha, where you just you like go unprotected forever. Like, you don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. And like, your boy would, did not sell his ETH at 3,500. <laughs> they would never sell you. That's, that's good for you. Like, I, I want, like, I'm wearing this. ETH shirt. I'm wearing an Ethereum shirt. I love ETH. It's just like, at, at what point do you want to like play this thing mm. sort of correctly versus just like raw dog it? And you know, you, you can do that if you want. Um, but I, I really believe that like this crew here, we're we're very pragmatic, and and that like supersedes our 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 long bias and whatever. So give me the answer, bear bull. Yeah, he wants to bathe in the gray. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I'm like, I, I'm obviously bullish, but like in the near term, you know, this is not the time to, be, I, I don't believe this is the time to be buying right now. You haven't bought not back yet. in with yourself. I haven't bought back in yet. Uh, yet. But you know what? Here, here's another thing I will say. Max Payne, like a lot of people talk about Max Payne on crypto Twitter. Max Payne is watching this industry that you believe in through thoroughly run right past you as you like try to bottom tick this thing and like i refuse personally to be that guy so i will buy back in and i won't bottom tick it but like i don't believe that now like right now is the time mm -hmm. uh steven we're not going with you next you're going last <laughs> uh, nick uh, bearish or bullish yeah i mean I'm, I'm bullish on the number of like eth 
active ETH developers. I'm bullish on the number of active ETH addresses. Like we are on this network building path that will we're laying the infrastructure for the future of what may be like the internet or, or our you know digital economy in the future. So bullish on that. Um, I'm kind of like a little bit of between Armand and Eric and that like I have bags that I, I'm not a trader. So like I have my bags and I'm going to hold them forever, but I also want to hedge. So, you know, I was calling these guys, you know, intro week saying, you know, I'm, I, I'm not really an active trader. I don't set up options. I don't set up shorts, but, you know, I have definitely been, uh, you know, buying puts on the uh, QQQ and, and the general stock market to hedge hedge my uh, part of the portfolio that's very boring to you, David. <laughs> uh, so I'm, I'm hedging those, those public equities um, and certainly uh, playing around in DYDX, uh, you know, multiple shorting shit coins and all L1s. So you live in Switzerland, huh? Oh, uh, yeah. I, uh, well, I, take, I take Steven's jet to Spain to make my trades and then I come back and right, then I watch right. them from my screen. That's yeah. good. So, I mean, I, I think uh, what we're looking for is like, you know, I think historically we've seen uh, Bitcoin when it hits its 200-week moving average. I'm not a technical guy by any means, but follow some. When Bitcoin hits that 200-week moving average, um, so looking for like Bitcoin around 22K, maybe ETH around 1,200-ish. Um, and, you know, it's going to wick below that probably, most likely. But that's where I, I'm personally looking and will kind of DCA in. And then on a macro, like bullish or bearish, you know, I think we still need to see a, a Fed pivot, um, you know, whether infl inflation slows down or does does the credit market pop? And, and Stephen and I debate that all the time. And I think we're starting to see signs of a, of a credit market, you know, these coll collateralized loan obligations and, and corporate debt start to show some weakness. And, and will that turn the Fed around? So at macro level, looking for a Fed pivot and on the micro crypto level, looking for kind of those those bottom averages to hit. Um, Although yeah. I do think your your bags are boring and they do provide <laughs> alpha, and so when the when the markets ultimately do change, it's because your boring bags told me so. I mean, it's it's kind of embarrassing to admit that like you know the the real estate portfolio is is larger than than the crypto portfolio, and, and I kind of want to keep it that way. No, is, that okay? is this a place where I can be vulnerable Freedom. about that? Yes, you can. <laughs> Trust tree. <laughs> Love that. Yeah, yeah, we we like those cash flows from real estate. All right, Stephen, bearish or bullish? What, like uranium? <laughs> I didn't get that joke. I'm very bullish on uranium. Well, oh, because we're talking bullish commodities, therefore bearish everything else? No, you mean bullish bearish crypto? Uh, bullish bearish on your bags. Well, I, I, guess, I guess you would only be bullish. I've got a bags. lot of USDC. I'm yeah. kind of neutral talk on about it. uranium. Yeah. So I'm, actually, I'm, I'm bearish uranium. We're going to go yeah, into I mean, fusion, I, not fission. I still, I still do have a lot of ETH. I actually sold all of my Bitcoin. Um, I still have a little bit of ETH. I basically have net short exposure because I've just hedged with a bunch of shitcoin mm. shorts. Have you been net short before in your life? Because I've never gone net short, and like I, I've, no, I mean, I've hedged, I, but I've never you gone. Guys, net short. You guys know, like I, I shorted ETH at like thirty four hundred. They're my brother's bachelor party, and I got stopped out on the on the jet. And Whoops. <laughs> the fucking jet. <laughs> Blame the jet. It's always the jet. It's always the jet. It wasn't my jet for what it's worth. Um, Not yet. Yeah. So that, that, was, that was a painful miss. I mean, I did, I did sell a lot of spot around 34, 35. I had, I had friends who were telling me to sell at like 42, 43, and I, I didn't listen to them. But like I, I, was, I was quick to realize that the, the, the tides had, shift, had shifted and to, to go the other way. And, and, and since then, I've progressively realized just like how much we're we're fucked 
Uh, which is a lot, I think. It, it's it's kind of rough right now because everybody's bearish, right? Which either means that we're just going to pump and that was the bottom, or nobody's really just comprehending like how bad it's going to get. Uh, which 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 is what I'm 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 concerned with. I, I think everybody lives in the crypto world, and we've gotten used to we we've it's like a such a short little bubble, right? Even Bitcoin. Like people post these like Bitcoin rainbow charts and all these things. Bitcoin goes up. It's just a logarithmic regression. It just goes up and to the right like this. It's it's network growth, right? And if you look at something like as basic as commodity cycles, right? If you pick one commodity cycle, you would have like in some instances like a 15, 16 year period where said commodity just goes up and to the right and you just buy every dip. And even though there's tons of volatility, you make tons of money. But then there's another commodity cycle where it's just down only, mm-hmm. right? So like the entirety of, of Bitcoin, for example, is, is what now, like 14 years? It's like one commodity cycle. So all of the data people use to model Bitcoin, like, you, like the 200-week meme, right? Mm-hmm. It's a thing, oh, everybody's just going to buy the 200-week and then that, that'll be it. It'll just go up from there. You just buy the 200-week and you'll get rich. It. I'll buy it. <laughs> like Red. there's there's no sample size on that outside of this one very specific like paradigm right and if you look like very dispassionately at bitcoin right like I, just anybody go go home and just overlay bitcoin with like the russell 2000 chart right mm-hmm. like bitcoin's just like a it's just like a leveraged play on the Russell 2000, basically. Like every time the Russell 2000 goes up, Bitcoin goes up a lot. Every time the Russell 2000 goes sideways or down, Bitcoin goes down or sideways a lot. And, and the Russell 2000 is like, it's kind of like a micro cap. It's like, like the smallest of right. stocks, right? The things you would um, presume would kind of benefit the most from like excess liquidity in right. the system, right? So it's very unclear the, the, to me. The Fed monetary policy. Yeah, it's very unclear to me that Bitcoin is like actually like an inflation hedge versus just like the beneficiary of like the, it's just like the largest sort of like liquidity battery right. that might now sort of be discharged. Like, I don't know. Like I, I, I think about these things, right? But Bitcoin is like a, is like a, is like a good case, right? You've got things like Avalanche and Solana or like, like Harmony One. Like that thing's going to zero. zero. I'm sure. I'm sure all the shit coins. But I want to ask you this: like, um, so Russell 2000 on on TradingView, you can model this against like money supply, Uh, and I've seen you do this before. Like, what's your thought on that? Like, um, like it's sort of just like a kind of. I don't want to say canary in the coal mine. That's not the right term, but it's sort of something that's like correlated. But I don't know if that's the thing. Right. I, I think it's more complicated than, oh, we we print money because even the money printing is is nuanced. Right. Did, did, did we there's a difference between giving the banks all the money via QE, basically, versus like helicopter moneying people via PPE and mailing totally. them checks. Right. One is like reserves versus one. Yeah. Puts money different in kinds of increases yes. in the money supply. Right. Everybody wants this like simple explanation of why this thing went up and why this thing's going down. But it, it's it's always like more complicated. Than that, and I'm always wary of these like simple narratives, these simple explanations. Oh, this is this, so it's gonna, this is gonna happen. It, it's it's very rarely that simple. Like the the whole system is very complicated. Like we've talked about this a lot. The idea that there's this like narrative in Bitcoin that oh the dollar is just gonna get printed into oblivion and go to zero, and then everybody's gonna buy Bitcoin because it's gonna be like a haven from the dollar printing, right? That's like a very common thing that totally. everybody throws around, which might be true but like i tend to believe is probably kind of nonsense until 
So do you, do you believe otherwise. that crypto at large will continue to exist? Yeah, crypto at large will continue to exist. Like you, you're, you're seeing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> what? David, David's like, okay, <laughs> okay, good. Wait, I didn't even realize that was that was an option. <laughs> just pulls all of our microphones. <laughs> Guys, we are, we are not airing this. <laughs> like in the Nasdaq right now, there there are some stocks that are down like ninety plus percent. Like there are stocks in the Nasdaq that are getting wrecked worse than like all L ones, right. which is insane because those things are dead. Like. <laughs> Obviously, they're just dead. They're obviously dead. They don't have cash flows or any. At least some of these companies like had some semblance of cash flow, or there might be a cash flow in the future. Well, they, that, they're still dead, right? That's what I love about like sort of my client base or my peers who are saying like, "Oh, well, you're invested in crypto, you moron," and it's like, "Oh yeah, well, my alternative was I could be invested in these like shit codes in tech that were they're only down seventy percent instead of eighty. Arc like, K, yeah, maybe even a fucking break, right? I mean, Arc is like a good. I think the arc like Bitcoin chart is really interesting. They're both kind of these mm-hmm. bets on like hopium and liquidity and zero interest. Like Bitcoin, I think like does really good when you have like negative real rates. Cause you're like, why, why do I want to buy this long duration? Buy? it's kind of similar to like gold, right? Where you're like, why, why do I want to buy this long duration bond with a negative yield? Maybe I'll just buy gold. Right. It looks worse when you can actually get like three, four, five percent in in like a bond it like kind of kills that narrative a little bit and and something like arc is like a huge beneficiary of like artificially low rates because you're just trading on this infinite future cash flow that you can just discount to infinity and it basically allows you to just sell whatever narrative you want because like the more the real rates go to zero and negative like the more like math doesn't matter and you're just kind of selling some weird vision of the world right? right and and in some ways, I'm like worrying that Bitcoin is sort of like ARK because it is just like Bitcoin is kind of just selling hopium to to a degree. Like there's no cash flows in Bitcoin, sure. right? And like like fees are just they look like a dead like heart patient. Where they look at the like crypto <laughs> fees, crypto fees dot info or whatever. You can see like ETH fees are completely outpacing. Like that's that's like, like yeah, like that's scary to me because I I think that we are moving to this like totally different paradigm that like nobody's lived in before like we like everybody has this very narrow kind of frame of reference through which they view the entire world right but like you can look back at like 100 year financial cycles and everybody's modeling everything on this 10 15 year cycle but there's no guarantee that that's going to be the same thing moving forward right this like, is what Ray Dalio talks about he talks about the long term debt cycle not just the uh, not just the 8 year yeah you have these yeah, like cycles within cycles you get a little 10 year cycle but then you get 10 10 year cycles and then you get like the long cycle and then like all the things you were trading in your 10 year cycles just explode and if you weren't ready for that kind of game within the game then you just you just blow up right and most people don't think about that they have like this huge recency bias Am I, am I rambling now? No, so no. David, this, is, I, I've, I've David, been, this was his answer to bullish or bear. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, uh, the, so you you talked about um, uh, monetary policy. You also talked about like a lot of these assets being dependent on liquidity. Uh, and you're talking about how Bitcoin is just related to the to the Russell. Not to say that Bitcoin just tracks the Russell, but also the Russell might be tracking Bitcoin. But it's more likely that they're actually tracking some. Uh, more basal level yeah, thing. They're both sort of like liquidity right. batteries. Sure. Right? Like there's like this, like liquidity is sort of like energy in the system. And this isn't entirely my idea. I saw this on Twitter once. I forgot who 
Sounds like your this. inner Michael Saylor. I don't want energy batteries. It's like right. the it's like the opposite of the Michael Saylor thing. <laughs> is it is it a liquidity battery, or are we just really talking about the value of the denominator here? It look look when when you have a circuit right where like the Fed is sort of like the battery, and you think of money as like the current in the system, right? Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with the concept of like a capacitor in mm-hmm. a circuit? Right, like yeah. the capacitor stores all this charge, and it discharges it very quickly within the system, right? right? So. In, in, a, in a situation where like the Fed battery is pushing like all this excess money, i.e. energy into the system, mm-hmm. it tends to flow to like the, 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 the capacitors in the system. Like that's where the bubbles mm. form, where these things rapidly soak up and store that monetary energy. But capacitors, once they have like a discharge gradient, right? They also very rapidly like zap out all of that energy and like the system kind of like kind of returns to like a, a different state, right? So I worry that Bitcoin is just like a very elaborate kind of like liquidity capacitor, which is soaked up a lot of monetary energy. Like like in my mind, like ETH, for example, fits a lot better into the new sort of like investment paradigm we're moving into, right? We were in this area where era where where rates were zero. Where like ca- cash flows, what the what the hell are cash flows? Like I don't know, cash flows. Like stop it, man. You're just thinking too small with your cash flows. What about what about three decades from now and how this is going to like we're all gonna it, it, it now now it's very different now like it, it's a new era where like we care about like real things like like commodities and energy and like how much money you're gonna make next year, right? So in that sort of like paradigm, like to me, as far as I can tell, like the only asset in all of crypto that actually fits into that framework is, is Ethereum. Because like ETH does have like a pseudo case for, for being like a commodity. And it does have like a pseudo case for being like kind of like a Arthur Hayes, you know, infinite duration bond type thing, right? But it, it has something that it's anchored to. It's like an asset that's actually demanded, that's being used, that has like a, uh, like a cash flow that can be attached to it like a multiple right so I, I kind of feel like it might come out of this whole mess a lot better than than bitcoin right i'm like like I'm, I'm i'm trying to write a write a whole piece on this right now but i'm trying to i'm struggling to find a scenario where bitcoin goes to the moon and like the near term and in and, and eth doesn't right? right because all the scenarios i see where bitcoin goes to the moon first they first involve like worldwide political chaos which i think will send everything to close to zero if, if even though they might moon after like it's it's you're making me grab the mezcal more. <laughs> <laughs> first of all this is david Aubin's like favorite scenario of all time yeah those are the bitcoiners that bitcoiners are the memes that, that no, love you're like i mean i've been, I've been the biggest duration. bitcoiner in this group oh, yes. for a while right? right i know this has been like a gripe of, of david's for right. some time but i feel like i've been reevaluating my position on this because I, I think your time horizon is important. I think a lot of Bitcoiners, they talk in this kind of like uh, elaborate sort of very aspirational multi-decade or even century long time horizons. But like I want to I want to buy a house and maybe have kids someday and buy stuff and like in the real world. So I yeah. care about what happens in the next <laughs> day. I'm sure I'm shorting on it. Yeah. Small. You already own a house. I'm sure this kids yeah. want to buy another house. <laughs> Okay, so here, here's how I'm hearing all of this, and like I, I agree almost 100%. It sounds all about right, uh, and I, I do believe like it's all about capturing cash flows. And Bitcoin had this premium in the last like two years where it was the inflation narrative. It finally caught wind out of coming out of the bear market of 2018 to 2020 because the Fed started printing off money. And to their credit, 
Bitcoiners have nailed the Fed. They, they called the Fed monetary policy for like the last decade. Before, before Bitcoin was any, even on anyone's radar, they said, this is what's going to happen. Uh, there's going to be some minor hiccup. And for all intensive purposes, uh, COVID was a minor hiccup as far as a pandemic goes. Like it wasn't really, it was a worse common cold more than it was like a black plague. And all of a sudden that worse common cold causes trillions of dollars of money printing and, and Bitcoin sucks up all of that. But then as soon as monetary, as soon as the flows disappear, Bitcoin dis discharges that. It sends it back into the economy, right? And so it captured the money during the bull market, but then it, because it has no value capture mechanism other than a meme, it puts it right back into the economy when the time comes to it. And so uh, asking myself, David, are you bullish or bearish? I'll answer, I'll ask myself the question. Well, thank you for asking. Yeah. That was yeah. going to ask. <laughs> <laughs> um, we uh, all know what you're going to say. <laughs> well, you don't need to ask. On, on what time horizon? Yeah. So I think is important right now. Uh, so I, I think that there is a short to medium term grit your teeth. Uh, because there is going to be a, a culling of the herd, as we know. Uh, and I'm actually not... I'm all I'm bearish on alt layer ones as a category, but I'm waiting for the, one of those few alt layer ones to make it through the bear market because there's enough of them where yeah. some of them will. Yeah. And as soon as one of them is like the clear like survivor of the of the uh, 2022 to 2024 bear market, then I'm bullish. And it's going to be the alt layer ones that figured out how to adapt and how to ad adapt to the new monetary policy, the new standard of the of the economy. And all of a sudden, one of those things is going to make it through, and all of a sudden, it's going to be the next the ethereum that was of 27 uh 2017 so i have a follow-up question for you david and i don't know if I've that was only one third of my rant by the way oh you want to continue oh, first I, oh i want to continue oh let it rip my oh, friend oh i want to keep on going yeah <laughs> uh -huh. and so uh we, we got all these alt layer ones which for the first time are layer ones with like investor unlocks so they have that to contend with it's great but, to see by the way that uh bankless is acknowledging alt layer ones <laughs> uh, we we got spanked for not doing that in like the last like six hey, months or so. Decentralization, Max. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, as so they they have the the investor unlocks to contend with, so that's going to flood the market. They also are scaled in block size, which floods the market in inflation. And so, uh, Ether Ethereum has like four percent inflation pre merge, uh, in, in a proof of work form. And Solana, Avalanche, Phantom, they are all higher issuance than Ethereum is in well ethereum is in its proof of work form so they're already proof of stake and they still have higher issuance so they have all this issuance to come to the market one of these chains is going to figure out how to deal with all of these things and one of these chains is going to figure it uh, be able to go into into the next uh, uh, bear market deal with it and come out with it on the shining colors on the other side chris berniski called this um uh, the hazing cycle of Ethereum to to these alt layer ones, where uh, like Bitcoiners hazed us going through 20, uh, 2018 to twenty twenty, uh, and now we are hazing the alt layer ones, and like we're hazing them into our principles, like stop right. issuing all of your tokens, like start having a decentralized block production, uh, and then maybe you'll make it through the other side, and maybe we'll accept you then. Uh, and a, a lot of Bitcoiners started accepting Ethereum when Ethereum came back and started going up versus Bitcoin starting in twenty twenty, right? And so that that's my bull case for alt layer ones bull case for all alt layer ones doesn't start until like late 2023 however uh so they Agreed. got a while to go agree uh and what one at least one of these things is going to figure it out maybe just one um m m if i put money on any of them maybe avalanche I love yeah, that you put money on really? that. Yes. Yeah. I'm a, no. I'm a Solana oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, I think Solana is the obvious play. But if you, you want to be a trader. No, so Solana is building so, towards something entirely different. Avalanche, Avalanche allowed for like, fees to go up, dude. Doesn't Avalanche have like 
two times the transaction capacity as ETH L1? Isn't it like every, it's just like this giant facade? I'm not saying I'm bullish versus the ether. <laughs> I don't think we need to like, like at, really least can, at least like Solana has like, you know, a bunch of billionaires who are trying to get rich behind it. You can kind of ride that wave. You can kind of make that. I don't I think, think this is not like a tech-based thing. We don't you need, know? need to get lost in it. I want to get lost in it. I want to. The avalanche. To. We don't need to. I want to hear it. But what's much more bullish than that and much sooner than that is the merge yes. is the merge i'll press this button which you guys can't hear um uh, <laughs> there's a bunch of applause uh and so <laughs> talking about flows right uh, as soon as the merge happens coming in late august maybe early september probably late august ethereum goes from the first time ever a negative 15 million dollar a day flows where it ha it put uh, leaks 15 million dollars worth of monetary power, if we're talking about the battery, battery metaphor, $15 million a day is going outbound out of Ethereum. And it's been that way ever since Genesis, uh, because of proof of work uh, as a function of market cap. So divide by market cap, it stays the same. Uh, and so there's always these outflows to secure Ethereum every single day. And so the flows are outbound, the, the battery is being discharged into the market in order to sustain the blockchain. And once proof of stake happens, that $15 million of day leakage turns into $15 million a day. These are rough numbers, but these numbers are generally accurate. Turns into $15 million a day of absorption. And so if, if Steven's theory about how Bitcoin is just like this monetary battery that sucks up all the liquidity, it, at least Ethereum has this mechanism that actually collects the, the energy and then retains it. That's the main differentiator is it retains the energy. We're on the same team here. I'm wearing the shirt, man. I'm, I'm talking about shirt. why I'm bullish. I'm not. Can I go to the bathroom? Do I have to ask permission for that? No, oh. absolutely. <laughs> not, not, not until I'm. I just really have to go. Not until I'm done chilling ETH, brother. Okay. When, when I'm done, I need to dump on David's theory a little bit. All right, just, here we just go. For the, just for the spice of it all. Yeah. So I think like, bring the me, microphone to the bathroom. With you. <laughs> yeah, let me go. I, I'm wearing the shirt i'm the same like i'm on your team like mm -hmm. it, yes. it is going to improve and like i think the price will follow right mm -hmm. but the, the, i think you're talking about the fundamentals right and price and fundamentals don't always align okay right. and i think the price we're, price we're only two-thirds through my ramp by the way okay yes. i want you to i want you to follow me okay, okay so when when price and and fundamentals deviate it's typically because of some exogenous factor right and right now it's it's macro at large is causing that deviation mm -hmm. and i don't think that deviation is is set to change any anytime soon right okay and i think you would probably agree with that yeah, yeah. okay but i i, I think well, it, i think it will change in like within six to nine months okay maybe maybe six yeah. to nine months but maybe maybe a little longer but like i agree with you but like there will be an accumulation phase yeah. where you can like you can buy back into Eve. It's yeah. not just going to be V-shaped. It's yeah. not just going to be like okay, right. merge and then right goodbye. Oh, I think that will happen. Okay. <laughs> well, it might. I mean, like Squish Chaos would agree with right. you, yep. etc. Yep. Yep. Uh, I, I'm I'm not really necessarily thinking that. What I, what I'm thinking is that like, uh, you know, I think it was Kobe who said that like, the merge is not an engine upgrade to ETH. He called it like if, if you were like. Uh, making the analogy that, that ETH is a race car, we're not changing out the engine where now this, this car just goes like 10 times faster than the other, other car. It, it's like uh, he said, Kobe said, that it's like we made this car more aerodynamic. Like over a long period of time, it will improve mm -hmm. against its competition, but it's not just going to like just take off. And, and that's, mm -hmm. I, I completely believe in that. 
Uh, no, I, 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 I'll take the other side of that bet. Well, because I know the, you the, 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 the idea is that like you can feed the same amount of gas into two engines and pre- receive two different outputs from those two different engines based on their design, right? And so one is leaking, uh, leaking gas as it goes, and other, the other one is like very, very efficient. You're right, but we're like you're talking about fundamentals. I'm talking about markets. Like- right. Okay. So the 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 argument that I'm making is that the merge overpowers macro. Because, which is a big statement to make. It's a big statement to make. And I'm not saying it, it, it overpowers it like on a dime. It's not like we hit the merge no, and we just, we just reverse. The, on, the only reason where that would be true is that we hit the merge and then we start reversing because that would happen because of narrative, not because of fundamentals. But of course. Fu- I, the argument that I will make is that fundamentals start accruing faster than people are expecting. But there's a reason why there's terms like buy the rumor, sell the news. Like it, it's because investor sure. behavior also matters like for price not right. not for value but for price right. but In- all those people selling the selling the news are going to have to eventually they will get overcome by the 15 million dollars a day net sell pressure buy pressure the uh, 30 net excuse Agreed. me 15 yeah. daily Agreed. And, and i listened to your uh, podcast with the, the founder yes exactly north rock digital and he was talking about how there's 12 million dollars a day of sell pressure from from miners and post merge if that doesn't continue it's going to be hard to stop the price from going up. But I, I do disagree with, you know, uh, ETH and the merge escaping macro fundamentals. But I do have a question for you in regards to ETH price going up post-merge. You know, I think Hal Press mentioned that he thinks the, the price is going to front run the merge. And I, and I disagree with that. And I think you've said that you think the price will go post-merge. But on, on what time horizon? Because I, I do think these narratives have to develop. Right. There, it, the market does price in some technical risk. And so the, the market just may need to see this thing work for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then they're going to need to see the yields and appreciate the yields. And those yep. will show up on CNBC and Bloomberg mm-hmm. and what kind of yields you can get. And then the market will, will capture of like how much electricity was decreased through this uh, update. And those narratives will, will take time, but they will develop. And so I'm more of like Eric's on, on terms of like a, a longer time horizon. It will definitely uh, benefit Ethan the price, but but are you more of a V shape like post merge immediate pump? No, I'm more of a um, more of a, a a curve, more of a curve oh. rather than a V. And I and I think the crypto industry will figure it out first because there are the what will see a very big breakaway is the ETH BTC ratio because that will happen first. Because if macro hits a, once again the crypto markets and we all take a big a, a big leg down. Then we're we're all going down, but we're going to notice ETH do very very well in that in a post merge Ethereum. We're going to notice ETH doing very well because it's not it has thirty million dollars a day of less sell pressure than it previously did, Agreed. and so the Bitcoin the Bitcoin ETH ratio is going to look much more violent than the Bitcoin dollar ratio. Stephen's shaking his head, uh, <laughs> uh, but then the the Bitcoin the ETH dollar ratio will over. 90 days post-merge will have started to accumulate 90 times $30 million worth of net buy pressure in, in comparison to its previous equilibrium. And then savvy U.S. dollar investors, U.S. dollar investors law, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, will start to notice like, wait, why isn't Ether completely obliterated? It's doing okay. And that will start to, so the first the narrative will spin in the crypto world and then it will start to bleed out into the macro world. And you think that the crypto world will use the ETH BTC met, uh, metric as yes. a signal. And, yes. and do you think we're in this channel of the ETH BTC mm-hmm. ratio? Do you think we'll, we'll break down out of that channel in the short term? No. Okay. No. So, cause like in, in your 
episode with Ben Cowan, he go he literally said himself, he's like, okay, you're probably right on this, but mm-hmm. it will take longer right. than than people are thinking. Right. And how long? How that was like six months yeah, ago. Twenty twenty four. He was predicting right. or or right. whatever. And and I'm I'm kind of on that time right. horizon, but. Was yeah. he was he privy to the merge though? Does Ben Cow know about the merge? <laughs> no, well, the, the the fundamentals of the merge, because like a lot of people Do know about the merge. Do you think he doesn't? Like he literally, this is his entire life. Guy drives I, uh, lines on a chart. Yeah, yeah. he's just a chart guy. Yeah. I, know, I, chart I love guy. him. I love him. But come on, he doesn't know about this stuff. Well, okay, it, it's one thing to know about the merge, but it's it's different to know the the magnitude of the merge, and so uh, I'm. And I'll, I'll say I'm not 100% confident on that the merge overpowers macro, but I'm more than 50%. And of those cohorts of people, if I'm in the right camp, the cohort of people that think that the merge is more powerful than macro is like less than 100 people. Let's get, okay, first of all, let's get Steven's take on this because yeah. I, I, I want Steven's, but like... I'll just bend over now. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So I, I, have a couple of, I have a couple of thoughts on this. I find it really peculiar, right, that everybody seems to think like the merge is this like revolutionary event that everybody at this table knows about is and is talking about. And there's billions of dollars on the line. But for some reason, like nobody else understands it. Right. Like we're the only ones who understand. It. It's not priced no, in. Right? Yeah. Less than 100 people. So <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm very skeptical about that point. And then there's this other narrative. Right. That's like there's going to be so many fewer outflows of Ethereum being dumped on the market post-merge, right? But what I never hear people, I hear people talking about is the idea that leading up to the merge, there's also probably way more buy pressure on Ethereum than is going to exist post-merge because a lot of the market is probably buying more Ethereum than they would be post-merge because they're betting on this narrative happening, right? So I, I'm not buying this like idea that like, the buy pressure is going to remain constant pre-merge and then post-merge. And then because the buy pressure is constant, the sell pressure drops off and then the price moons, right? I think buy pressure is way higher now than it will be post-merge. I think obviously post-merge, buy pressure way drops off because people trading into that narrative goes away. So I'm like super skeptical about that. I am definitely not of the camp that like the merge like erases macro right like i think macro is king i think anybody who thinks that crypto is going to in the short run like out trade macro i think that's like that's like a crazy uh pipe dream the other thing i would say is like we're all very familiar i assume with like the ethereum foundation selling the top of every freaking thing that exists right so if i were like an ethereum whale and i had billions of eth right now what would i be doing I would be like engineering this like very gigantic hype going into the merge so that I could dump all my stuff in August, like please, right before everything really fully goes to hell. And then like that, that's what I would be doing. Like, spoken so I like worry that it's like a bit of like a spoken like a true yeah. liquidity event. Right. And like, is there going to be like adoption on ETH in August? Like, is there going to be like, like DeFi just got like, took like a bullet to the head. Right. <laughs> NFTs are like, it's getting to the point where it's like embarrassing. If you have an ape as your profile picture on Twitter, <laughs> like me? gas, like it's it was like 12 guay to do stuff. Right. So like, I don't, I don't see that demand just suddenly returning because the merge happens in August. I'm very mid long-term bullish on this, but I'm not really trading around it. And I find it to be like very 
hopium. And it's exactly the stuff I would be wanting all of you guys to think if I was just about to dump on your heads. It's exactly <laughs> what I would be saying. Like, oh, the I, Ethereum Foundation is dump. Like, really? Uh, they're pretty yeah, good at it. They're pretty good well, at it. Well, they sold 4,200. They they're not going to sell I am skeptical 2, of every narrative that comes across crypto Twitter as though it's like you're the first person to hear this narrative and nobody else knows it except you. Or maybe other people knew it, but you're like the next in the chain and then retail is going to get this after you. So, like, who else is buying into the merge narrative after us? That's like what I want to know. Like, like who's going to come after us in August and like support the price of ETH? I just don't see it in, in, in the short run. The right? same people who think there's technical risk, the same people who think there's like a climate issue with, with proof of work. I mean, all those people that need to be brought along, they need to be shown evidence. And it's I the, agree with you that, like, obviously this is priced wh in. We why should do be, you need to see evidence that proof of stake doesn't hurt the climate? That does not an the well, execution dude, risk, we, I see. We don't, but I do think that the general financial markets need to see that it's true. And they need to see someone publish some data and the, and the, the narrative to take hold. Like, that, that is true. I'll latch on to that narrative. It's like, it's the next hundred million users and, like... To be fair, there are not that many users in crypto right now. Yeah, like on a global honest. scale, there there aren't that many. So like it, it's not gonna take much to like increase buying demand, really. Like uh, globally, globally. From who who's globally. buying right now? Globally. Globally from where? Where's the money coming from? Where's the money coming from? Everybody's wealth is being destroyed. It's being fucking annihilated, like eviscerated, right? Like everybody's value in stocks is going down, everybody's value in homes is going down, the Fed is doing QT, which is pulling money out of the system. Okay, people have on, to pay more money to heat their homes, to buy food. But we agree, like we've been, we've been bearish off of it. Like we agree, but, but there, there does come a point at which you want to be a, a buyer and holder of, of good assets. Of which we believe that ETH is. Sure, maybe like a year or two from now. Plus, the, the whole point of the merge fundamentals is that it doesn't, no one needs to buy because the Ethereum ecosystem has established itself around an equilibrium of a certain amount of daily sell pressure that all of a sudden inverts from negative 15 to positive $15 million a day. And so, the whole idea is that no, we don't need anyone. It's baked in. It's literally right, baked in can code. Can you refute my point that like I believe that the market has put additional buy pressure in in the lead up to the merge that would not otherwise be there, I th ergo well, negating the whole existence of the merge. In the I first thought place. everyone has been selling for the last like six months because the price is going down. So I think all the those, price of all Ethereum people, is still like astoundingly high because be of the merge. <laughs> Correct. So once the merge narrative right. doesn't exist anymore, what's going to keep the price up? Okay. The people so, who knew about the merge haven't sold, and all the people who don't know about the merge me, did sell. Let me Sounds play a insane. little bit of a mediator because Steven on Alpha Alpha on our episodes has has said himself that he's setting his own buy limit orders. Like, right? And you've set your own buy limit orders at 1,800, 1,500, 1,200, whatever, right? Like, so 1,200 like, sounds okay. There yeah. is a okay. level at which you want to buy, and like I agree with you. Like, and we would all agree that like. We want to own ETH long term. And I think that is irrefutable. Like, we do want to own this asset. It's just at what price do we want to own it? You guys saw Snapchat, right? Like, it wrecked. retraced its entire run up, the wrecked. entire thing yes, gone. So the idea that like ETH is here like 2K when it was $200 during COVID, and we're all like, can only go up from here. Did Can't you just compare Ethereum to, to a dick pic app? <laughs> yes, I did, because at least the dick pic app has a lot of utility in people sending their pictures of their dick to people, right? A lot of people getting laid. It's much more utility than me creating some weird 
financial derivative than borrowing against it 17 times and having it blow up, right? Like, they, like I, I would argue that sending dicks is like a very... Such an island. Human thing. Such, such an island. Like, <laughs> putting Ethereum and Snapchat into like, the same like category. Literally the says of time. sending dicks has more utility. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that Ethereum right now as a market cap is, is trading lower than like individual companies is laughable yes. long-term. Like, yes. you know, long-term, like, maybe I agree with you, but in the short-term, I don't think any of that matters. I think in the short-term, everything is just liquidity flows. It's just like everything is risk-off. And of that, we agree. It's just like, at what price do you get back in? But your, your bids are going to be there to support us at 1200 Yeah, I will buy it Please, 12, 13. please, sir. I, I feel comfortable. <laughs> like, I think, I, think I, I would be stunned if we don't like run those... 1700 lows like you, I, at a minimum no, I, was, like I would be shocked like and like in the bitcoin eth chart by yeah. the way which you got like that to me that chart looks terrible to me like i look at that chart and i'm like oh, this is this is losing like Tommy's biggest trade percent like yeah, it's just like <laughs> i'm in trouble the eth btc chart just it, it it looks like it just it's just wants to roll over and die for reasons like i don't understand because like i think eth is better than bitcoin for the next five years i do and i don't own any bitcoin but i own eth but also like as an objective person i look at that chart and i go that chart looks really bad that it's not a bullish it's not a bullish chart do you do you accept that if it's all based on flows that the ETH merge with the inversion of 15 million negative to 50 million positive is bullish under that same reasoning. I, my, my point is that there have been excess inflows mm -hmm. on the basis of the merge trade. And when the merge trade doesn't exist anymore, those inflows will go away, possibly at an exact equilibrium point of the reduced outflows, right? So I don't, I mean, I, like I listened to this this episode with the whatever is face the hedge fund guy, and like to me, like that point didn't like, and and I was skeptical of this with like the bitcoiners and the have oh the the having it can't be priced in, right. it can't be, and then people make these like tortured analogies of why like oh you can't pause, it's so stupid, like okay. if you, like you just buy like why can't I buy more bitcoin in advance of the having knowing that there's going to be like this reduced sell pressure at the end. It, may, it never made any sense to right. me. Right, so right now you are Nick Carter and I'm the Bitcoiners. We're like, <laughs> <laughs> Nick Carter writes this like massive essay about how the merge is completely priced in because of just like uh, efficient markets and all the Bitcoiners are like, it's not my ma uh, match uh, priced in. But what they're saying is what I'm saying is where as soon as the flows, the outbound flows gets kneecapped, all of a sudden it slowly manifests a bull market. And we get uh, with the whole triple point, uh, excuse me, the triple happening, like it happens three times as fast in, in Ethereum land. I think you are right on a different time frame. I think like one, two, three years from now, you're definitely right. But I don't think you're right in August patient, or September or like November or December. Like, and that's kind of what I care about. Right? Like I, right I can, there, see, I'm I can just see like, down only for the rest of the year. But like it's yeah. going to be it's going to be if that is true, then it's going to be a green 2023. I think it's going to be a green 2023 for ETH regardless. Alt layer one still have another year for ahead. Of I, I, I agree with you. Like I do think there is going to be this pivot. Right. But I think the pivot is going to it, it's going to be like a different investment environment right like i don't think the pivot is just gonna be like risk is back on let's buy all the dumbest shit possible i think it's gonna be like okay it's back on but like interest rates are probably gonna stay high i think persistently now i think like we're probably gonna enter a paradigm where we have like really high rates 
but also like a lot of money printing and we try to like pull money from all the rich people and like helicopter it to the poor people and there's going to be like persistently high commodity prices and all this stuff we haven't had to contend with before and i think there is going to be like a premium to invest in things that have actual utility that like you can actually derive some sort of valuation or price from which is why i think in the sh medium term like i like eth over over bitcoin because i, I look at bitcoin and it, like to me bitcoin is like it's pure speculation it's it's just like a, it's like a call option on beta liquidity right like on like it's basically just some call option on or like some massive put i guess on like worldwide fiat but like I don't think the dollar is going anywhere anytime soon. And like I said, I think if the dollar does go somewhere, there's still going to be like an extended period where everything gets wrecked while the dollar goes to the moon, including probably Bitcoin. So, okay, why not just wait until that point to buy it then, right? Like I don't, I don't see like this scenario where Bitcoin thrives, but Ethereum dies in like the next like three or four years. That's like the thing I'm trying to like convince myself of and, and, and like this piece I'm writing and I haven't been able to to do it yet. So if anybody has like a good argument for it, like please. <laughs> I, I think please, the, please I better, the better question, like David asked if we're bearish or bullish, I think like the better question is like, where do you see ETH price in 2027? Like where do you see ETH price way down the road? And I think we would all around this table say Valhalla. Valhalla. <laughs> Say Valhalla, Steven. <laughs> Say it. <laughs> we want you on record. <laughs> I, I really don't want to lose everything before Valhalla. You know, I, I'm like, hopeful it goes there. And I, I, I think it probably will. But I, mean, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to bit the farm. David, I mean, part it. of this is on your shoulders. I mean, like these narratives will be seeded with the crypto native media Goddamn right. and post-merge, someone's going to have to prove that electricity and power consumption is down and, you know, these yields exist. Like, do you ever feel like a little weight on your shoulders that you're going to have to bear the inception of these narratives and how they grow? I haven't been wrong yet, brother. Yeah, that's oh. right, man. Well, our money's on you, my man. Money's on you. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. Well, since the uh, camera on YouTube keeps on cutting out, uh, I think we'll have to have our, our last final words. And so I'll ask the, the group one, one question, guys, who we'll each get to ask is why should the listeners listen to Alpha Alpha? Armand, number one. Number one? Oh, God. I like the compilation of their answers. <laughs> synthesizing. Why you should listen to us? Um, you shouldn't if you didn't enjoy this. <laughs> <laughs> and if you did, you should. We'll be your homies. And um, we're taking this very seriously. Mm. I think that's something that I want to um, really put out there. We're really enjoying this. We're really taking this seriously. And we're really having a fucking grand old time. And uh, yeah, come join the journey with us. Eric, number two. The mezcal just hit me like a friggin' ton of bricks. <laughs> I, I just slumped way down in my chair because, like, I don't know. It's I'm feeling the weight of the mezcal. Uh, Dude, you're sweating, bro. I'm sweating. <laughs> is it a? Is, are we in a sauna? Dude, you are. <laughs> are we in a sauna? Uh, okay. Uh, um, bottom line is this: like, this is the type of conversation that we have on our, on our Wednesdays you enjoyed this? and our podcast. And like, I think it's valuable. Like for me, it's valuable. I've gotten like immense value just from talking to you guys over the years. 
This yeah. is an example of that. And like, that's why we did the podcast. That's why we started. It's like to share this type of talk. Yes. Well said. Steven. Steven. Yeah. I mean, if anybody just heard me rant for a while and they were like, while. that was so But it was annoying. actually phenomenal. Well, I really enjoyed it. Well, if you so enjoyed that, you. then I guess you should listen I always to the you, Steven. That's the why pod. we're co-hosts. Yeah. And, and I like to, it, you, you know that, epi- uh, that episode, you know the Lord of the Rings where the orc kind of runs in with a dynamite and just dives in and blows everything up? That's like what I try to do with everything, you know? So if you don't, <laughs> If you don't like that, if you just want to like be like comfortable and like, yeah, this is my thing, and I just want to reinforce my thing, then you should probably not listen. Yeah, you should I definitely like to, not listen to us if that's yeah, what you mean. I, but I, I like to. I don't know. I just like to shit out everybody's ideas once in a while. It's good. He challenges me a lot, <laughs> a lot. It's been beneficial though. Nick, can oh, someone please tell the <laughs> listeners why they should listen to your guys' podcast? Do not. Do not. <laughs> <in these> circumstances. <laughs> Man, well, I'll, I'll give you the facts, and it's straight, is that I've become richer uh, talking to these people and listening to these three other guys and debating topics, and it's made, it's made me money. And yeah, yeah, maybe a little happier. <laughs> yeah, and, and I, I think, like, like we mentioned, like the grand study has proven that when you have a core group of people that you respect and that you, you dissect the world around, you get a little wealthier, a little healthier. And I think that's what we're trying to, trying to you know, develop on the podcast. And so come, come join us. Come, get, come. That's, that's why you're the marketer in this group. <laughs> well, well, come join us. You know, let's let's try to make some money together, and uh, at the very least, hop in the Discord and, and uh, make fun of our logo, so I can convince these other guys we need to change it. Yeah, make fun <laughs> of us. We like those reviews. Yeah, for sure. All right, guys. Well, Bankless Nation, you know what to do. All the links, per usual, are in the show notes. If you want to listen to Alpha Alpha, if you want to listen to these DGENs, and if you want to listen to them yell at each other for various topics of which you will not see coming. Uh, but the alfalfa is with the alfalfa boys. Uh, guys, any last words? Bro, you're the man. We love you. We appreciate you. That was phenomenal. It's an honor. Like, I, I'm actually really sad you're leaving San Diego. But to be continued to in be many continued. ways. Certainly. And uh, this has been an honor for us. I, I am sad, too, on a personal level that you're leaving because... You are the only time in my life I've like walked into a group and there's been like a person there who's like liked crypto more than me. <laughs> and it was so refreshing to be able to like even just take a step back and go like, huh, because I've, I've just always been like the totally off the, the deep end. So I, 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 I love that. And I'm, I'm going to miss you now. I'm going to just be just. That's the most vulnerable. By myself. The most vulnerable yeah, Steven's ever been. Wait, that was <laughs> yeah. huge. Earth shatter. <laughs> yeah, fuck you guys. <laughs> oh, well, guys, uh, uh, Brooklyn feels very, very uphill. As in, it seems like I could roll off of that thing real quick. And San Diego has treated me well. And a large part of that story is because of you guys. So thank you for welcoming me. And then I'll see you guys again in the future. Oh, yeah. Thanks, bro. Love you, brother. Love you. All right. Cheers, guys.